Hi, I'm Margaret Cho. You're listening to the Monsters of Talk. I'm here with my co-host. Hello, I am Jim Short. We have here today a guest that is so lovely and fun and brilliant and, and really controversial. Amazing, amazing, <laughs> multi-hyphenate, Melina Williams. <laughs> I'm well, blushing, but you can't tell because I'm black. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is... What is I, I, and also they're listening. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. Shh. You're harshing my, like, bringing everything back to race motif. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> she's, she's blushing a lot. Yes. What do you think about all your multi-hyphenates? What would you say would be your primary? Like, I'm also multi-hyphenate. I would right, say right. I'm a comedian. Right. That's, that's pretty much it, I think. Everything else is sort of a sub-subset of that. You know, it's funny because I actually tried to distill recently what that was about, and I decided that I was a storyteller <laughs> because everything I do encompasses that. I'm an actor and performer and writer, and those are all storytelling vectors, right? Right. And so I also realized that as a person who's involved in BDSM uh, and kink, and we can talk about what that means later, although I'm sure your listeners know, mm -hmm. um, a lot of what I do is teach people about how to embrace their own pleasure and their own identity, and that's storytelling as well. Right. Because a lot of what I do is I say, let me just tell you what my experience is, and let people light bulb moment their own experience uh, in relation to myself, because one of the things I realize is the more personal you become, the more universal it is and the more people say yeah. oh my god and and it used to be that i thought oh well i'm like a fat black chick from the ghetto who went to a special school and had a weird childhood with crazy dad traveling all over the world and an alcoholic and in recovery and lactose intolerant and no one's going to really get all those things but then people find pieces of themselves in whomever you are and the mm -hmm. more specific you are the more pieces they find it's fucking amazing that's amazing yeah that's amazing i like that i like that like storyteller and also, um, I think in a lot of ways, probably an educator, too. Yes. You know, so yeah. it's the same thing. Teacher, yeah. shaman, <laughs> maybe. Because it, it, it is kind of magic. It is magical, and it's, it's a lot about gathering together spiritual forces. Mm-hmm. From your own past and from... Now I'm getting all woo. This is what happens. I get back to California and yeah, within 10 woo. seconds, I'm like, woo, it's all about the spirit and gathering. Um, but it is. It's about conjuring up images and feelings through your words. And that's right. a big freaking deal, right? Right, right. It is. I mean, it is. But the thing about BDSM, which is so trippy, is that so much of it is about stories. Mm -hmm. So much of it is about, like, telling a story and being in the framework of a story yeah. in the scene or whatever. Um, it's such a weird thing because it like has very little to do with physical sensation, even though it's all yeah. about physical sensation. Right, right, right. But it's first, before physical sensation, it really has to first be about where your head is. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things I tell people, especially new folks, is that the only thing that separates what we do from abuse is consent. Mm -hmm. And you can look at a scene and it can look like a case of domestic violence that the police should come and break up and someone should go the fuck to jail. Yeah, yeah. But if you know that both people are really turned on by it, or yeah. all five people, depending, yeah. and everyone has said, no, we absolutely want to have this beat down and gang rape and strap them on and fuck you up the ass until you're crying and covered in your own juices and begging for mercy, and you know that this person has been waiting for 20 years for this moment, mm -hmm. it's very different. Yeah, and yeah. And so when I tell people, look, it's a 
about consent and it's about getting that consent for yourself first mm -hmm. and then externalizing it, it's a big deal, mm -hmm. you know? And for me, it was really tough because I had one of these fairy tale discoveries of, oh my God, I'm submissive, hot guy, you know, beating the crap out of me, flipping me over, you know, hauling me around by the hair and hitting me with his belt. And I was just like, I want to bring you coffee. That's all I want to do <laughs> for the rest of my life because mm -hmm. you're so amazing. And then realizing, okay, well, it's not just this guy because mm -hmm. he was hot and all of that. But it was a realization for myself that that was erotic. Right. And then I said, okay, I'm a feminist. I'm a strong black woman. There's no way I can say I want to serve someone because that's just uh, blasphemy. Right. And then furthermore, to be like not just submissive, but to have an ownership fetish, mm -hmm. problematic a little when it comes to looking at our own history. And so I had to figure out what my story was in connection with that. Yeah. Because that was a big fucking deal. And right. I was guilty and I was horrified and I was disgusted with myself for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. You know, and then I started, I found one other person in the leather community, a woman named Viola Johnson, who was a very well-known BDSM figure. Mm -hmm. And she was someone who everyone in the scene had heard about and had been around for decades. And she was black and identified as a slave in the context of consensual SM. And I said, okay, if there's one other person doing it, mm -hmm. then I'm not alone. Yeah. I'm not the only freak. Yeah, yeah, it's you really know? good, that's really good. And so that was an amazing epiphany moment. And I was like, okay, some other freak has gone before me, I can go ahead and do this. Yeah. <laughs> what I've noticed is that there is there is a, bit, the, a good amount of people of color within BDSM, mm -hmm. although very, uh, few identify as submissive like it's like th there is some sort of permission that we can it's okay for us to talk yeah. like some for some reason that's okay but then to bottom it becomes really complicated yeah question and i've seen that among other kinky folks and it was amazing to me i got a lot of blowback because i had the ovaries to say i have fantasies of being submissive and a slave. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I would like to role play these horrible things that happen in our history mm -hmm. because I'm curious, again, you know, with the woo and the spirituality, what do you tap into yeah. when you have control in that situation and you can yeah. beginning, middle, and end it? What does that look like? And of course, other people of color were appalled and horrified, and I said, I get it. Mm -hmm. It's 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 shocking and it's terrible, but I, I, I had a curiosity. Mm -hmm. And I learned so much about myself doing um, those kinds of scenes and exploring that kind of stuff. But as you say, the second there was a person of color who was openly talking about being submissive and a slave, people mm -hmm. were like, oh, no, no, you can't possibly. And these were all people who were surrounded themselves by kneeling, fawning acolytes of all races. Yeah, yeah. And that was fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you could have someone who, had uh you know their three white slaves and that was okay mm -hmm. but god forbid a black person should kneel because then that was completely falling into the dominant paradigm obviously i had been poisoned by my history obviously i was self-hating mm -hmm. and i said mm, no actually i have done a lot of work to love myself so i'm feeling yeah. pretty good about that yeah um and some people eventually sort of saw what i was what i was talking about mm -hmm. and some people didn't Mm -hmm. And you have to sort of be okay with that because not everyone's going to say, oh, yes, you know what's fantastic? You doing a little Aunt Jemima race play scene where you're like licking syrup up off the floor for, for oh someone dressed like Colonel Saunders. Not that I have done that, <laughs> but it would be awesome. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but does it go that far? Does it... Uh, it it can it certainly can that kind of scene to me would be kind of funny yeah that's like to, to um because it's, it's played out in in a ridiculous yeah the, the ridiculousness yes. of yes. it like 
yeah. It's almost um, a parody. Yeah, of it. it is. And so, uh, you know, I use it as an example to show people, you know what, it's not always dark and terrible. Um, but some of the scenes that I have done, especially for demos for other people, mm -hmm. were a little creepier. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the most mundane ones was a job interview, and I came in in my three-piece suit mm -hmm. across from a nice uh, middle-aged white guy with the salt and pepper hair in his suit, and I handed over my resume and a crisp folder, and he opened it, and we did about ten minutes of a role play for a job interview, and he looks up from my from my resume and says, "So, you know, one of the things we like to do is a lot of team building. We like to have a lot of lunches and bring folks into the office." And, and have a little get together. So I'm assuming you'd be in charge of the watermelon and fried chicken because, you know. And so, you oh know, God. in the in the moment, people are laughing because you're like, that's so absurd. But then the undercurrent is, you know what? We have had shit that stupid said to us. Okay, of course. And so what do you it's do? Still, it still gets said. It yeah. happens still now. all yeah. the time. And yeah. so then what do you do in a situation where you're trying to get a job and now you're thinking... Hold on a second. Um, I need this job. I would like to not be um, on the receiving end of, of being eliminated from the pool. But do I want to work for these people? So we're, ch we're jumping back and forth and, uh, and trying to figure that out. And as his line of questioning became more and more outrageous... Uh, uh, you could just feel the air in the room get sucked out and people mm -hmm. just horrified. And so the whole point of the scene was eventually he's like, well, if you really want this job, you know what you can do and like whips out his dick. Mm -hmm. And people were just, some people are like, I'm so, I'm really turned on, but I feel kind of bad for being turned on because it's really fucked up. But it's really, I'm like, you know what? It's really real. And it's, it becomes operatic, you know, mm -hmm. how in an opera, you can't do anything more than sing at the point where things are so tragic. Yeah. And so in a scene like that, it's, it's, it's the same thing. You can't do anything else except go with this wave of emotion and passion because you've really tapped into something that's very real. Mm -hmm. And that's what I tell people about kink, especially for people of color. You are almost always dealing with stereotypes and people's freaky, creepy expectations mm -hmm. and people saying, uh, oh, well, you're black. Therefore, you must be some strapping mandingo type or, oh, well, you're Japanese. So you must be like the geisha plucking on the, you know, and you're just going, oh, my God, no, no, yeah. don't come at me like that. Mm -hmm. But it's a dichotomy because, on the other hand, what if you do want to explore those 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 tropes and those motifs? You still have to have the right to be able to do so. Right. It's a, it's like to say that we are um, not supposed to be uh, turned on by these things. You know, we're not supposed to be because of who we are. It's just like you're limiting and castrating us. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. it's a very um, emasculating I mean it's or whatever the the feminine version of that but if it's like I was about to say defemistrating but defemistrating <laughs> but you're trying to control that our sexuality like yeah. <laughs> um, it's basically people trying to control our sexuality because they feel guilty about history right and so because you feel guilty about history you want to control my sexuality and mm -hmm. how I perceive it mm -hmm. and put it into these sort of like set rules and that's what sometimes sometimes like uh, old school feminism bothers yes. me because it's a very anti women's sexuality, like anti women's like bodiness, which yeah. to me I think is so important as a feminist is to have that body sexual energy there underneath is, it all. There's so much to that, and especially when you look back at the beginnings of the BDSM movement among women, mm -hmm. the hardcore lesbian feminists were at odds entirely yeah. and sometimes vocally so to the point of entire communities being 
pulled apart. Yeah. Because there were some people who were like, you can't do that. You are mimicking the patriarchy. You are a terrible person. Right, right. You know, and then you had a bunch of women on the East Coast who formed the best BDSM organization title ever. Lesbian Sex Mafia. Thank you. Because I love those girls. Lesbian Sex Mafia. I love the Lesbian Sex Mafia. (laughs) So they're my favorite. That was one of the points where I said, okay, I can hang with these people. Yeah. Wait, who, which one was was like, was Lesbian Sex Mafia was like a couple of different girls that I knew. Because I used to work at Stormy Leather. Okay. Um, so then th- that's like my I worked, I, crew. I modeled for Stormy Leather for their XX Extra Lusty line. That sounds, yeah, that sounds familiar, <laughs> actually. Um, but yeah, I worked for them in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so you know. a long, long time ago. Yep. Um, and like, you know, that that was, they were, Lesbian Sex Mafia, they were like always doing what, like uh, parties uh, my, in New York. My brain is a terrible thing to waste, but I can't remember, the, the woman who wrote famously Bastard Out of Carolina and uh, a bunch of other books, and she was one of the LSM founders. Uh, who was that writer? What was her name? And right now, anyone listening to it is screaming the name yeah, they're na- they at know. their computer going, you idiot. <laughs> we have a device here that we'll find out. So everybody keep yelling out. <laughs> I know, they're just like, you idiot, fucking come on. Uh, but it's it's what's cool to me is that those organizations, I actually just taught a class for them last year. Uh, last winter, and it's great to see the history of women in kink as it has evolved. Dorothy Allison. Thank you. Thank you, Dorothy <laughs> Allison. I know her, yeah. That's cool. And she was one of the, yeah, she was one of the people who was instrumental in, in, in getting that she off the really, ground. Yeah, she was really major. And it's fantastic for me because I feel as though I can walk in a tradition where these women have said, wow, you don't like what I'm doing, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to do it five days a week instead of just two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good. It's better. It's better that way. Um, lesbian Sex Mafia always like associate with the vaults in New York. Mm-hmm. They would always have their parties there. Yep. And then I would always go, I would always work at like Caroline's or like one of these comedy clubs. And so I would never get to the, I would either get to the vault or the Hellfire <laughs> Club at like, I wouldn't even get there until like three in the morning. And then by that time, <laughs> it was all um, per- pros, yeah. pro doms, and like just guys just kind of waiting around. You know how they're like... The towel boys. Yeah. Well, we, that's, what, that's what I knew them as by the time I came up in the San Francisco Bay Area. Because mm-hmm. you would have these guys in the clubs who were just sort of the walking wankers. Yeah, they just walk around. The, the, the walking wankers. The walking wankers. The walking wankers. <laughs> they, because they are. scarier than the walking dead sometimes, they can. Yeah. Oh my God. That's what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. The the what is that what is that show about the zombie apocalypse? Zombie, yeah, zombie apocalypse. The, the one that's going on right now isn't there like the Walking Dead? The is Walking, that Dead, the Walking yeah. Dead. Yeah, there needs to be a Walking Dead sex club moment <laughs> yeah. where all the people who died, like who's the last thing they did was walk around jerking off at a sex club. Like that's what they do. Yeah, masturbating zombies constantly. Because how Walking hot... Dead has a lot of people chained up and everything too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it works out. <laughs> Um, how did you, when did you come to kink? Like, what was your first exposure to it and your first awareness of it? My first exposure and awareness was when I was very young. I grew up in New York. Mm-hmm. And so when you would be in the West Village, you would see guys in their chaps, in their harnesses, mm-hmm. you know, in the yeah. evenings. And and I'll never forget, actually, one of the things that my mom said to me that was accidentally very liberating is I saw these two guys making out and my mom's very conservative and she was a very young parent and you know sort of pulled me away from from what was going on I said mommy why are those men doing that and she said well people just do different things oh 
And I said, okay, well, people do different things. Great. great. And so, and, and of course, like as a, as a three or four year old, you're like, well, people do different things. That's fantastic. Um, fast forward to, of course, going to Christopher Street Parade mm-hmm. for Halloween, which was what I started doing in maybe like seventh or eighth grade mm-hmm. um, and seeing all kinds of partying happening, discovering, you know, these clubs and bars that we would peek into and see all kinds of awesome, fun stuff happening with the, with the guys down there. And fast forwarding again to when we started getting our fake IDs mm-hmm. and going to bars and the bars on the extreme west side on 12th Avenue, like the Mineshaft, um, thought it was hilarious that there were teenage girls with f- flagrantly fake IDs mm-hmm. trying to drink in the leather bar. Yeah. So we would be there in the front and we would come up with their fake IDs and they went, oh, honey, here's a gin and tonic. And they would say, just don't go in the back. We were like, we're not going to yeah. go back there anyway. The floor is super greasy, and we don't know why. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> and so I had this awareness. I'm like, okay, uh, this is SNM is a thing that gay white guys do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, but then you see like these magazines in the in the stores on 42nd Street. And my boyfriend, my first boyfriend and I had done a lot of sexual experimentation. We used to tie each other up. We had a third partner, you know, so the two of us had a girlfriend. And this was mm-hmm. like when we were in 10th grade. Mm-hmm. So that kind of expanded sexuality has always been a part of who I was. Yeah. But it wasn't until, as I mentioned earlier, I met this guy and had this incredible experience of submission being triggered by physical aggression that I said, okay, well, um, that's something. Maybe it's that I have this special connection with this person that I realized, no, it's something that I want. And by that time, thankfully, I had some friends who were actual rocket scientists who were like, you need to get on this new thing and it's the internet and we can send mail electronically. It's amazing. And so the third thing I did after learning to send electronic mail was to go on the bulletin board. So of course I'm on alt.sex.bondage mm-hmm. in the early 90s going, oh my God, there's a bunch of us. Yeah, It's not just me. And I moved, I was living in LA at the time and I was sort of poking around and reading the eight books that there were about BDSM. Moved up to San Francisco and plunged right into the midst of the community and said, okay, this is this is where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, was on alt.com, which was brand new oh, at yeah, the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And and Collar Me had had was had recently started, I think. And again, the bulletin board just where people were talking about their shit. Mm-hmm. And because at that point it was almost all geeks and nerds and 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 the, those folks were the people populating it, I said, okay, this is my tribe. Yeah. Nerdy perverts are exactly who I want to be hanging out with and spending my time with. Mm -hmm. And so I connected in with them and genuinely within two of my first kink events, one was a um, truth or dare night Uh where we were playing kinky truth or dare. So instead of like, I dare you to run across the schoolyard and, you know, moon the people sitting on the steps. It was like, I dare you to drop your pants and take 12 clothespins on your balls and stand on one foot and sing I'm a little teapot. Like that was the kind of yeah. truth of dare night. And I met this guy there and I had this whole like, oh my God, he's so hot. And he was all mm-hmm. domly dom, I'm a dominant dom, da dom, da dom, da dom. And so uh, he and I started seeing each other and then decided that we were going to have a, uh, a relationship and the format of it was, I'm the boss of you, mm-hmm. you do what I say. And that turned me on all the time. Yeah. And I discovered that, like, depending on the context, Mm -hmm. being half naked in this guy's kitchen washing his dishes as he stood there just watching me like, you're so hot Mm -hmm. as you do my fucking housework. And I'm standing there saying to myself, this is so not okay, but (laughs) I'm really wet, so I'm just going to go with it. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. 
Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like this thing like where, um, I don't know why I always think of that, that there's a, like the, the, the ultimate whatever is a whore who can have an orgasm. <laughs> and I'm like, that's all so me. Like, I'm such a whore who can have an orgasm. It's like everything I do that makes money, I have a really good time doing. <laughs> I really enjoy it. So it's like, oh, none of this is like work for me, even though did it's supposedly you, work. Did you did you have a BDSM sort of epiphany thing or were you always just sort of like, ah, well, no, I'm just a pervert? No, um, just because like I realized, like I, I realized that the, 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 the incredibly terrible like political implications of it Mm -hmm. but then every time like as a bottom if you were trying to go get people to top you it's like such a huge effort to make people do it right and also like (laughs) for people to like really like do it consistent you know to be it's so hard to find like a good top that it's almost like it's just so like not even what people think yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and how many people do you know who are bottoms who eventually get so fed up that they just want to become the top? I know that they want to have. Yeah, so many. Know? There's so many of. There's so many. Mm-hmm. Lots, lots, and lots. I mean, I think I'm at that point. Yeah. You know that I'm almost that. Um, and also, people always seek me out as a top, which is a weird thing too. I think because I am a very aggressive in life and in yeah. in my my my. daily interactions that people just assume that's what I am which is hilarious to me because the people I know who are the fiercest and the most organized and kicking the most ass Mm -hmm. genuinely generally are submissives and slave type people totally who are the go-getters who are the because that's the point is that what we want to do is do shit right you know and if you are a good dominant or a good owner like the one I have now yay Mm -hmm. he just sort of gets out of my way and it's like here's what I want from you make it so Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And that freedom is amazing. And I think that people don't get that it's not about micromanaging. Mm-hmm. It's about creating a space where you can be the submissive you want to be. Mm-hmm. Whether it be in play, in, in the dungeon, in your bedroom, on your knees, in the back seat of a car, wherever it is, whatever's going on. To have that freedom is so fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It is really difficult to find those people. It's difficult. And it's difficult to find um, people who think freely enough to want to do that. I think people are really terrified by mm-hmm. power dynamics and sexuality, even though it's what happens all the time. Yes. So there's a lot of fear around it and a lot of people who are like, just don't want to do it, but they do. I think all <laughs> sex is really based on some kind of power dynamic anyway. And, and... I started doing this experiment when I first came into kink and I would ask my non-kinky friends. I don't use the word vanilla because it's become so pejorative. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say, hey, so if you guys were in a dungeon right now Mm -hmm. and there was a whip there and there were handcuffs there, who would wear the handcuffs and who would grab the whip? And 99% of the time they would know. Like Mm -hmm. instantly they knew in their relationship who that person was. Yeah, yeah. You know? And sometimes they would get confused and they would be like, well, I don't know. I think sometimes I would I would want to have the crop. But then I think sometimes I'd, I'm like, yes, OK, so we have a word for that, too. So you would obviously be switching. Mm-hmm. And that, and they were like, oh, you can do that? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you can even be a dominant and demand that you get your ass beaten precisely so yeah <laughs> and then that's funny like a lot of the doms like that i know are like the most the best bottoms too they're mm-hmm. like so they just know it they know what they want they probably started out as bottoms yeah that's how you start anyway you start out lot, that way and and for a lot of people having that uh, ability to be compassionate in that way mm-hmm. gives them an insight into being a better top yeah and someone who understands 
what you're giving to them, right? Mm-hmm. And understands how to receive it with grace and with dignity and to treat you like a, a, a human being. Because there's this temptation. You're like, oh, you're my slave. You're crawling around on the floor. Suddenly you start to drop in their esteem. You know, suddenly you become this 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 slavering creature. Mm-hmm. You know? And then uh, you meet someone who's like, no, I think you're actually even more magnificent oh, yeah. and worthy of even more respect because you have done your little salmon act against the wind of society. That's a mixed metaphor. Salmon don't the swim stream, in the wind. The stream. stream, thank you. Or a bird flying upwind. No, that's not as powerful as the salmon. You were salmon leaping upstream of society's ongoing rush of oppression. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, it, it's re- it is really beautiful and magnificent to people to, to have somebody really understand who they are. Mm-hmm. And that's like what's great about BDSM when people really get like their role and they are who they are and they are who they say. And that's like so powerful. And then when they, you see them really fully embracing their role, it's just like you never see any, anybody more beautiful, you know, because they're just really yeah. there. That's why I like to watch. I mean, that's what I, <laughs> I would go to like play parties and I would go to play parties in San Francisco. Uh-huh. It was like fetters. Is Fetters like one of those? Fetters hasn't been around in so long. That's like, that's how, that's my history. That's like my home was group. That, was that a club? Fetters was it like. Sounds a, like the Fuddruckers. Fuddruckers. <laughs> it's like a, a collective. BDSM. It's like a BDSM collective. Of, it's like kind of queer, but it was mostly like um, Bay Area people. They, they would just have play parties and they, they would happen every week. And it was like this thing. It was very, very. Um, uh, well, those San parties go in the ferry house, the house on Fifteenth Street, Fourteenth yeah. Street. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And um, sometimes there would there would be some in the East Bay. Sometimes yep. it'd be in Oakland. Um, but they, they have you been to the the, the the Pervery Corporation? No, those are the new ones. Those are the guys from I think they're from the Armory. The, they have a new Peter. Uh-huh. It's a new kind of a thing that's going on, and it's mostly like Mill Valley Marin area like fancy parties um but the uh, eyes wide shut end of the spectrum it gets real eyes wide shut it gets really and that's like real like that kind of stuff is actually real like people think it's all made up for movies it, it it's actually not no they they do have that kind of stuff but that's not that that's not the fun stuff <laughs> but that that movie just seems so like antiquated it seems like it, so old yeah. timey almost, you know. Yeah. It does it is it is a snapshot in time. It is a snapshot that <laughs> like nobody's gonna wear a mask. And cloaks and <laughs> it's the, the, too the, hot. Yeah. Well it, and the thing is it's like <laughs> that's warm. that's that that's that sort of um if that is your fantasy specifically to set up that kind of vibe. Um, but I think that you would, it's a different fetish than going, I just want to be tied up and, and fucked and get my ass beaten than yeah. it is that I want to stand around looking mysterious yeah, and like a, while my wife gets ravaged. Yeah. That's quote, like unquote. a different, that's like a different thing. I don't know. I, I mean, I like, the reason I like play parties is because I like to watch people enroll and mm-hmm. really go for it. That mm-hmm. to me is really beautiful and the best thing. It's like the best thing to watch. Um, but I never really like getting involved or playing because this is like not sexy to me. Like I don't like group stuff. I don't like I don't like parties. Like I don't. To me, that's just it's about performance. It's yeah. not a turn on. Now, do you find that? Uh, 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 have you played at parties before and then had that moment where you turn around and you're like, oh my god, I'm not even in my own scene. Yeah, just, yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally. It's like, <laughs> um, like when hand sanitizer came out, you know, hand sanitizer, <laughs> yeah. and everyone's setting it on fire. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I was, I was, um, there was, I was with this guy. It was like in the mid '90s, and he was, uh, and I can't say who it is, but I'm going to say it, and you can bleep it out. He was the unit publicist for Dawson's Creek. 
Sweet. <laughs> he was, um, he was, and during the day, he was the unit publicist of Dawson's Creek, and at night, he was the most badass dom. <laughs> he was great. His I name, love it. His name was, I think his name was Brett Schumacher, so he was German. Schumacher. G- uh-huh. German. Oh, a German pervert? I'm shocked. Yeah, a real big German perv, and, but during the day, he was totally unit publicist for Dawson's Creek, so it was like, he could not let his... He had like a pair of leather pants that were in his locker at work and that he would change at work and then he would be suddenly the dom. Right, right. But then he would never have... There was a real distinct separation of him. But, he, but I was at a, um event with him in North <laughs> Hollywood and he put this, you know, that knot all, all over my arm, yeah. the hand sanitizer, and set it on fire. Yeah. And then I was like... I, I was just there and, I, you know, my arm is on fire and I'm like, this is not <laughs> sexy. I'm like, where, where is the sex part? The sex part, this is the thing I finally, the, 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 I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I just, I, I just never heard of anything like that. Yeah, are, I know. Are you sure there wasn't the unit uh, uh, publicist for backdraft? <laughs> <laughs> he might have been. Uh, just so they would, they would just light it like that was supposed to be a Yeah, I was like, he would like light, he would like well, put a, like a layer of it. It's an interesting sensation. Mm-hmm. And it's also the feeling of danger because it is fire, and regardless of how much control you think you have on it, mm-hmm. it can go wrong. Yeah, but you but know. since it's whatever it's, the the it burns the thing right is, off, it burns itself. It, burns it doesn't quickly. burn you. Yeah. Well, that's in, what's in supposed theory, to happen. In theory, right? But, you know, every once in a while you hear the, the warning thing, you know, and people listening to this, do not go and set yourself don't. on fire. Yeah, we have to really say, let's, do, not, let's, do not do any of that. Don't grab it and do it. Although, you know, in high school we used to do that. We would use, we would use like um, Aquanet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we would do like the Aquanet <laughs> flamethrower, which right. was amazing. Yeah. So, you know, you do stupid shit. But <laughs> but the, don't, do nobody do any of that shit. Don't do don't it right do now. It now. I, don't want, and I don't want to read some shit about no. someone in the burn unit. Um what's what it finally dawned on me having a moment like that mm-hmm. where i was having a really great scene and the person i was bottoming to it was as though mid conversation he turned around and started tap dancing mm-hmm. that's what the energy felt like and mm. i realized that what had happened was that there were a bunch of there were these three little tiny blonde bitches who were all ooing and eyeing over his whip skills and suddenly he was showing off for them and not in connection with me. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was like night and day, and I just was out of the scene. Mm-hmm. And, and so I have felt that. Yeah. What I think that the, what, what I think you're feeling, and I think I have felt that as well, is that the public scene is for exhibitionists mm-hmm. and voyeurs. Yeah. And if you are neither, mm-hmm. then it can be okay, mm-hmm. but it's not built for you. Right. You know, it's great to have that community. It's great to see people's play style. It's great to sort of suck up that energy. Mm-hmm. But if you're not an exhibitionist or a voyeur, eventually you're going to say, wow, I I just want to like grab my partner, go home and beat him and fuck him. And, and that's the that's the hot part, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, like it's like that the community, the way that it, it exists doesn't serve uh, me in a, like a party situation. It's mm-hmm. not, like I, if, I, if I go, it's not for... Um, playing necessarily because it's just never it's never appealed to me and I keep trying to make it work like I've been trying to do it <laughs> since I was like 20 or whatever but it's just never been um, have you tried have you tried gathering your own people together for a small sort of like yeah yeah that yeah. too it seems to me that just seems silly like it's like not even like I'm like oh this is not really what anybody wants and, and and you know I think it's something that you know it's disappointing yeah. if you get older you go oh, no it says I'm not as wild as I thought <laughs> no, which is okay have you been to the the armory do you go down there um I uh have been I worked very briefly for kink.com when Ooh. they were two iterations ago at two different buildings ago um for me 
there's something about there's two parts that I have a that sort of withdraw me a little bit mm-hmm. is the um, the commercialization of something that I feel is so really intimate. Yeah, yeah. Um, standard porn, I can just jerk off to. I'm like, yeah, f- fuck yeah, f- get mm-hmm. that, get it, get it, get it. When it becomes a something like watching someone take pain, mm-hmm. and I know that the people distributing that pain are doing it for money and for the camera and for the shot, mm-hmm. something in my soul curls up a little bit. Oh, yeah. And um, it's it's very professional, it's very slick and all of that. So mm. the second part is their crazy lack of diversity mm-hmm. and the whole like no one can be fat, no one can be older, no one can be, you know, it's 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 pretty much the same body type. Right. And this very limited um, uh, 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 age range mm-hmm. and a very limited, um, uh, what is it, body type, age range, racial and ethnic diversity is very yeah. limited, very minimal. Um, and I understand their whole point is, well, that's what the people want. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, but why is it that every time you go to any porn site, when you look at the number of hits, why is it that the BBW are the and, and mature are always in the top five of the of the clips that people are downloading and watching? Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. because people can talk about what they want, and mm-hmm. and sure, a lot of people have been acculturated to the slender Caucasian petite female. Yeah. But when you look at the fact that a lot of people like, yeah, I would like to see someone with a few pounds on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would like to see someone who's maybe closer to my age. I want to see what yeah, that looks exactly, like. Exactly. I would like to connect with that. And I feel like they would be in such a magnificent position to offer that. And I don't think it's ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I, I'm like, oh, well, okay, sure, that's great. Yay, king for the mainstream. Mm-hmm. But part of my heart is like, oh, just show some fat middle-aged people doing which i think is hot i mean i don't know but i also do i i agree with you when it's it's hard to see something that intimate you know it it Mm -hmm. doesn't you know i don't think it's photographable in a lot of ways no no and a way it sets up expectations expectations for sex are already complicated Mm -hmm. there's already people you know watching porn and then going to with a partner going oh but there's fluids everywhere and oh my gosh she can't put her leg behind her head how am i supposed to fuck her mercilessly when her legs are together it's just uh, i can't do it so you have that that expectation and then you have people especially who are thinking about kink Mm -hmm. who are saying well okay I read Anne Rice, Fifty Shades of Grey, whatever it is that the Mm -hmm. gateway drug for people they watch this and then they say I could never do that yeah. And it's like, no, you don't have to do that. No. You can be submissive and never have anyone ever strike you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can be dominant and have no desire to cause someone pain. Yeah. You know, so this is a very specific niche for, again, a very specific group of people. Mm-hmm. And it caters to that. Um, and you're right. You can't really capture that. You can't feel that connected energy. And really. it's almost never there. Every once in a while, like if sometimes if I see like an Eric Kroll photograph mm. or something, you know, there, there sometimes fetishism gets it. Yeah. Then you go, yeah. oh, you fetish photography. I go, oh, you, you, there's an element of it, but you can't really get the feeling. Um, sometimes, um, but really, the, you, the the lot of the porn is so. I don't know. For me, porn and body type, like I, I just can't get turned on mm-hmm. if the if the bodies are too like it's just a body that looks like it would be painful for me to try to attain. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like, I, sometimes I see women's bodies and I'm like, am I even a woman? Like, I'm like so freaked out by it's so, I, how 
divorced I am from the image of women's bodies in the media. And, and I tell you, it's exactly that feeling mm -hmm. that made me start deciding to do fetish modeling. Mm -hmm. Because I said, you know what, why am I not seeing anyone who looks like me? Yeah. And so I started, you know, I worked up the nerve and it took me a couple years mm -hmm. to ask a fetish photographer and say, you know, I really like your work, but I don't see you working with any brown people mm -hmm. or any Asian people or any Hispanic people or any people who aren't a size zero. Yeah. And he said, well, I'll work with you. Mm -hmm. He's like, I just, I, I work with what I can sell and I work with the people I, I meet and I like. Yeah. So we did some pictures and then people were like, oh my God, you can do that? Like people didn't know fat people could be suspended in rope. Mm -hmm. off the floor mm -hmm. you know and all it takes is one person saying well you're too fat to be suspended and i was like oh my god no pianos and cars are lifted you are yeah. not that fat no and and so i started doing it sort of as a, as a as a political statement and then realized that for me my self-esteem issues were still girl i can't even tell you the first time i got this these beautiful photographs back and i'm looking at them and then 10 minutes in i'm like oh my god my stomach my stomach i'm huge i'm disgusting ah! and then i was like wow the struggle is real no it's like you're beautiful and it's like why not like if you if you you know have these ideas about like sexuality you should be able to do this and you know and it's it's art it's wonderful mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like i'm so mad at society because it's really robbed us of the pleasure of having a body yeah you know so much and i'm so enraged by that all the time yeah. like that's why i like to say that i'm fat because people don't know what fat is people think fat is like this unnameable horrible thing yeah and truly no that's just what i am and I'm cool with the word. I cannot tell you how many times. Actually, just happened to me last week. I said something about like, oh, me and my fat black ass. And two women were like, you're not fat. And I'm like, uh, yes, yes, I am. Yeah. But it's like they, they look at it, that word, as being such a the horrible thing. thing. Mm -hmm. For me, it's like, it's just a word. It's like just a, it's like saying I'm a woman. It's a descriptor. It's a descriptor. And a lot of pejorative has been attached to it, but I, I have worked, and I think successfully, mm -hmm. to remove that for myself. Mm -hmm. It took a lot of work. Mm -hmm. But what's great about it is that now I can look at myself, and I can look at other people, and I can say, this is amazing and beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I did um, a curation or, or jury duty for the Seattle Erotic Arts Festival. Mm -hmm. And so we had maybe 2,000 photographs and pictures of art and, and, and all kinds of shit we had to look through and choose what was going to be in the exhibition. And then I flew up to Seattle and I'm sitting in a living room with a like 200 inch television and we're going through and voting mm -hmm. on which images. And this one image came through of this pudgy middle-aged couple. Like if you saw them in target you would not look at them twice mm -hmm. and the woman was jerking the guy off and the look on the guy's face was so ecstatic mm. and she was just grinning ear to ear and I thought to myself this is what people need to see people mm -hmm. need to see joy yeah. and people like you said enjoying their bodies because we have had that taken away from us yeah we're constantly looking with a critical eye yeah and it's very creepy when you see deodorant to bleach your armpits because your armpits are too dark. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what else can you possibly get me for? Yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna, like, I saw a commercial for something and they were like, oh, your pores, your pores. I'm like, pores? And I was sitting next with two Caucasian friends who apparently the whole life are worried about pores. I'm like, wait, so are you freaked out about your nostrils? Are you trying to reduce the size of those as well? Pores are on your, what? And they were like, well, it's a, 
like the aesthetic mm-hmm. of people freaking out about the pores in their skin mm-hmm. really drove home how much we abuse ourselves as a result of what we're fed. Mm-hmm. And the thing about BDSM that I have found liberating is, and it's not perfect, and there's obviously body preferences, and there's obviously people laughing up their sleeve at the fat people, you know, in the dungeon, uh, uh, in their little fetish wear with maybe the belly pooching out Mm -hmm. over the chaps Mm -hmm. but when you see folks enjoying their bodies and enjoying each other regardless of that kind of limitation Mm -hmm. it's just i carry that outside into the rest of the world yeah and i feel so much better about myself because of that Mm -hmm. you know yeah it's amazing it's wonderful it's really wonderful it's a great it's a very spiritual tool to have and it's i'm grateful that it's something that you know, I've always had this connection with and history with and will, t- you know, forever. Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful. So now you're here, uh, you're in San Francisco today. Well, you came to L.A. to yes. speak with us. But you're <laughs> in, you're on the West Coast right now. You're doing some touring around. I'm, I'm doing some. Uh, I'm actually taking my partner to um, to uh, the Northern California. He's from Austria. And so he's like nature Mm-hmm. guy person so I was like okay sir we'll go look at some trees mm-hmm. and while we're looking at trees we will go ahead and uh, I will teach some classes that's great <laughs> so you do you're teaching um in this in the city like in the at the San Francisco Citadel which is mm-hmm. the of course the one open dungeon now in San mm-hmm. Francisco that's open all the time uh, oh no there's another one that recently opened this name I can't remember now because I'm a bad human being um and so I'm doing a class there mm-hmm. uh I think, oh, I think this class I'm doing is about, I think it's called Finding, Vetting, and Hiring the Right Dominant for You. Oh, okay. And basically, it's like a submissive empowerment class. It's like, treat this like a job interview. Come on, motherfuckers. You have to sell yourself. They have to sell themselves to you. Uh And it's a lot about um, not just partner selection, but self-actualization in terms of your relationship Uh goals. Because so many people come into the scene, they're like, I want a dom. I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they kind of head to one side like, well, you know, so I want to tell you what to do how every day, all mm-hmm. the time, just when you want it, just, you know, when they want it or, you know. So all of that negotiation, basically mm-hmm. it comes down to negotiation and consent. And um, uh, I love those classes because I love when I see people have those eureka moments. Yeah, that's a really good thing. That's a really important kind of a class. I mean, that kind of thing is more about finding out who you are mm-hmm. as opposed to you know like looking outside yes you need to, i think with bdsm you really need to figure out who you are and that's one of the great things about it mm-hmm. is that you need to find out like i i know for sure i don't like play piercing <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I, I know that 100 <laughs> percent um do you like play piercing <laughs> i actually do but it it, it does it does hurt it can hurt to varying levels though yeah i had um a one play piercing scene that was so intense uh there were people afterwards who came up to the top they couldn't come up to me because i was laying there like covered in blood you know uh-huh. and they were like wow that was that was so amazing and she was a a, a, a switch and um it was at that point I formulated my theory, and I have this—I've had this theory now for about 15 years. Mm-hmm. And you know, perverts won't agree on anything. Mm-hmm. You can ask 10 kinky people, "What does it mean when you wear a collar?" and get 27 answers. Yeah. But I finally decided. I said, you know, there is a hierarchy of evil, 
And so I was teaching a class a couple months later and I said, I know that there's not supposed to be a hierarchy, but if there were, if there were like a pyramid, a food chain of the evilest, cruelest, toughest, meanest, most amazing people in the dungeon, I said, I think at the very apex would be female switches. <laughs> and everyone in the room sat there and was like, I, but, uh, uh, oh, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) and she was the one who sort of pushed me to the very edge of doing the temporary piercings with the needles and it it seems like it would just be easy through the skin Mm -hmm. and she was super nice with some of them yeah and then some of them went a little deeper yeah and then the true sadism came out when she was pulling them out oh 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 oh. because you can just pull them straight out and it's like nothing yeah or you can pull them out slowly or if you are truly a son of a bitch Mm -hmm. you can take the needle and tilt it up Mm -hmm. and drag it out (gasps) Yeah. <laughs> and right now, someone just got a little green listening to this, going, I, I know, it's terrible. And someone else is like, oh, yes. I know. This Somebody, evening. I totally love it. And somebody said their safe word. But yeah, I, I have the same thing with spitting, which is part of the. I can't even deal with spitting. Okay, oh. and please tell me why every porn even deal with now it. has so much spitting. Why is there so much spitting? It's all, it started really about seven me. or eight years ago. It wasn't like that. Why? I hate the spitting. Girl, I, I, have to pre-screen, I have to pre-screen my shit. Like, I can't even re- just watch porn anymore. I have to sit there in the cold light of day and watch it to see if there's going to be any, any spitting before I sit and I say, okay, this has been cleared for masturbation. I really don't know why they do that. I don't know why they do the spitting thing. But there's so many people who obviously love it because otherwise it wouldn't be so popular. It is a demeaning thing. I mean, it is demeaning and it is... I could see why it's hot. I get it, but I don't get it. Like some things, I just don't know. Oh, it's too. There's the raunch factor, uh-huh. and then there's the humiliation factor. There's spitting on someone, which I go, okay, I don't like it, but I understand I'm going to humiliate you. I'm going to do this terrible thing. But then there's also, I'm drooling into your genitals. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. And that is where I start to go. But you know what? Guys really like it. Yes, they I do. Guy, guys love it. They like, all the gay the, porn has the jewelry, like, and that's been a, a fixture in in the men's porn for a long time. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know that I was accustomed to, but in the mixed porn, I had not been accustomed to seeing that so much. That's too much spitting in porn. I'm not. I'm not down for it. I'm glad that they're well hydrated. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to see evidence so much, that people are, yeah. are, are, yeah, I know, are that's staying good. hydrated. That's good. But I can't, I can't, I can't anymore. No, I mean, just, and raunch itself is, uh, there's limits that I have, you know, there's certain things. Like, what limits? Like, like, I think, yeah, I'm not, well, I'm very like, kind of, but like, also like, I don't like, um, I don't like golden showers. I don't like any kind of piss mm-hmm, play. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't like any kind of scat, nothing, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sweat too, is <gasps> not too much. Can I tell you, I actually had to pause a scene because someone sweat into my face. Oh no. Yeah. They sweat, they were like dripping with sweat and it started dripping into my face and I was oh, like, no. I was like, okay, yellow. <laughs> yeah. And they're looking at me because, you know, I've, I've taken a lot of hardcore stuff. Nothing had happened and so they were like, are you okay? Thinking that there had been some huge psychological mm-hmm. breakdown mm-hmm. and I said, please wipe your face because the dripping of the sweat on me is not acceptable. Which, you know, you roll the dice when you say that to a sadist because yeah. they're like, oh, really? Now I rub my sweaty hair. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, son of a bitch! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but bodily fluids, 
like if they are applied directly to me, I don't mind so much. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. if I'm like if I have my face in someone's pussy or a cock down my throat, I'm fine with yeah, that. Yeah, that's fine. But if it leaves the body mm-hmm. and is airborne and then is yeah, on me, the, I think that, that's the difference. The the yeah, it's the accidental uh, or the you know, just the fact that it existed in the air for a moment on its own. <laughs> It changes the state. It's no longer like a sacred transfer of fluids. I know. It's now, now it's like, like <laughs> I know what you mean. It's waste. It's a hazmat is what is happening. Yeah. And now I'm no, like, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I, I don't know. I don't know why it's it just I think maybe because for me, it's like such an intimate thing that yes. I need it to be pristine mm-hmm. for 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 whatever I need. There's certain things. Well, like foot fetishism too like I don't really get that either because I don't like, like do you have the thing where you don't like toes though or are you one of those people who's no, a little like, freaked out by feet I like feet oh, okay I like I love them I think they're beautiful I just don't get like foot worship and I don't really get like why people would want to worship my feet or like I don't I don't really understand all of that because <laughs> people that are into that they're so into it yes they're it's so actually into I, it. I would I arguably it's one of the most common fetishes mm-hmm. is foot fetishism mm-hmm. you know um, I, I tend to think it's as simple as that Freudian bullshit of like there was some formative moment yeah. Where the young person got super turned on by looking at, you know, someone's little toes yeah. curling in the sand and they got, you know, t- aroused. They were like, oh, but and certainly it's the feet, you know, but feet have always historically been kind of a very sexualized yeah. um, uh, a part of the body. Yeah. Yeah. In many different cultures. So which is which is 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 um, I mean, yeah, it's it's sort of not not that weird, but it, it is such a strong mm-hmm. fetish that it, it's always like, um the one that sticks out of my mind and people get very into and get very focused on. I just never really got into it. I don't know. I don't know. Because there's not always something for the other person. Like the foot person's getting... Yeah, the foot person's it, really... And you're like, mm, well, I'm not getting anything out of this. Well, and then I'm just like, today I can't leave my feet here. You know, I could... If I could... Yeah, you can like leave the three of you alone? Yeah. It's like, I guess I'm... I'm like a weird, like, fourth wheel. A third wheel. I think I the, the the body part worship thing has that has that dichotomy as well because it's not necessarily any more about you, mm-hmm. right? It's like it could be any feed as long as you find these feed appealing. It has nothing to do with my awesome uh, conversational skills no, it's or got my intelligence. To do with you. It's got it's more everything. like hey toes, yeah, awesome, yeah. yeah. And I and I and I think that for many people that's that's also an issue mm-hmm. you know but i think that there are more people who fetishize feet than even who fetishize like you know boobs and butts and dicks and balls like yeah, the totally. people who are foot fetishists it's way it's it's really what strong. sticks out more because i mean the other stuff ah, it, i see it, what you well, did there no, 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 <laughs> it, it becomes more apparent because the other stuff just goes with it it's normally there sure. so when somebody's way into feet they make such a big deal of it i think you have to really you have to really work to get a need met when you have a fetish you know, and I think people use the word very lightly because someone who's really a fetishist, that what it means is that they have to have that particular um, uh, sexual act or yeah. sexual contact in order to have arousal and to be satisfied. Right. You know, whereas most people, you know, you can say, oh, yeah, I have a fetish for like cute asses. But if the person's ass is simply mediocre, you can still yeah. have a great night. Yeah, yeah. You know, versus the foot fetish person who's truly a fetishist who like cannot get aroused unless they have a pair of feet in their face right that's all that you know that is the sex the the, mm-hmm. the connection with that inanimate object mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it is it is different um it's a different thing yeah and i'm not, not definitely not a fetishist in any are you a fetishist at all i uh 
I'm thinking about it. The closest I come to that, uh, pun intended, wah, wah, <laughs> is Boots. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, that is, and that is a traceable, triggerable moment of, yeah, I know when that happened. And that was when I mentioned earlier the truth or dare party. Mm-hmm. You know, what the dare I finally got involved in was uh, daring this dominant to get someone to kiss his boots. And so he decided he was going to get me to do it. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what's he going to do? Like grab me and throw me to the ground and smash my face into his boots? Because that's what you would expect. But basically what happened is he like pulled me close and started whispering in my ear in this incredibly super sexy hot way about how um, what I really wanted was to kiss his boots. And he shouldn't let me do it because technically that was only reserved for someone who was in service to him. Mm-hmm. But he would grant me the favor Aww, that's of cute. giving him permission. And, 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 like and, and at first I was like, fuck you, man. And then two minutes later, I was, I'm not even shitting you, it's kind of dizzy mm-hmm. and on the ground and kissing his boots. He's this beautiful, completely broken in, gorgeous engineer biker boots, right? Mm-hmm. And I just the smell of them and the fact that you can feel the warmth of the person through the mm-hmm. leather. Yeah. And the fact that I was so aroused without even being touched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. And so to this day, like, the, I have that moment of, yeah, yeah, boots. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can see that, yeah. So I wouldn't say it's a fetish, but it's the closest I have where it's, it's an object. Con- it is. That but has a fetishistic attraction. Yeah. It's, it, it, but it is, it is complicated because it is about the role and the person mm-hmm, and kind mm-hmm. of what you were feeling yeah. and, and that. Um, I, you know what it's also interesting to me is for me, I'm, I'm not no longer in recovery. I was sober for a very mm-hmm, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of this was when I was sober. I was yeah. doing a lot of playing. Um, I, and I think that nowadays I can't really get into it because I'm not sober. And there's something that you really need you when you're sober, you are so connected with your body yeah. and your spirituality and memory. Yeah. Um, and all of that is really important be at BDSM. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because I, I am in recovery and still I actually what is my Oh, so you have my sobriety date tattooed there. Oh, that's great. Yay. Long time. Um, and so what for me was interesting was that even when I was flaming, raging alky, like drunk all the time, I would sober up enough to be presentable to go to kink events. And I never mm-hmm. played drunk. Yeah. Exactly for that reason. Right. Because you can't. You know. And it was interesting because the more alcoholic I became like that last year, mm-hmm. I played less and less frequently because it was now interfering with my capacity to maintain the state I needed to be in in order to live because I right. was just a fucking mess. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. You, you cannot connect in that same way if yeah. you are utilizing an intoxicant. Mm-mm. Sure, you can have like a thing where you're like, I'm shrooming, I'm doing rope bondage, this is amazing, and have that kind of thing happen. Have a couple glasses of wine and feel more relaxed and sexy for your scene. But if you are a user mm-hmm. and you are not in control of your use, mm-hmm. that's not even a place you want to go. No, it doesn't work. It's just like it's like pointless because mm-hmm. it's like you just can't feel. I mean, it's like also like to be a user and that's that's a good term for it. To, when you're using, mm-hmm. it's like, what's the point? Yeah. It's like you're yeah. you're doing all these things to get out of your body. Like, yeah. why would you want to get into your body in this, you know? No. And I feel like that disconnect mm-hmm. is at the core of what you are trying to achieve 
with BDSM and you are trying to pull it out when you are using. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you're like, I want to not feel. And with kink, you're like, I want to feel everything. I want right. to be completely present. Right. And and so that 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 difference is really is really profound. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because when I did get sober and I was like, okay, wow, now and I slowly crept back into playing mm-hmm. myself. I did notice how much. Uh, how much of an impact my scenes had for a while afterwards. Mm -hmm. Because normally what I would do is I would go and I would play and I would have in my purse that whiskey so that like the second I got outside, Mm -hmm. I could get back to normal. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and so, and then it was like, well, that's not what I do anymore. And Mm -hmm. so what happens is the emotional reality starts to sink in. The physical reality stays with you longer. Yeah, all of the 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 places that you that you journeyed to are now present and accessible to you again. Yeah, yeah. And so you have that that capacity to really remember and draw from it. And for me as a storyteller, it was a light bulb moment because I said I can actually tell these stories now, whereas before I could just be like, ah, oh, that was a super hot scene. Yeah. Versus Mm -hmm. now when I talk about it and I can say, here is how I disconnected from my body and had an otherworldly experience as a result of a flogging, Mm -hmm. you know, or I did this role play and I experienced for 10 minutes what it was like to be absolutely terrified for my life genuinely, Mm -hmm. you know, and not drink it away afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's. It feels like an honor, you know, mm-hmm. and I do that cheesy like it's a gift, but it is a gift. But it is a gift, yeah. <laughs> and it's really, I mean, it's wonderful. It's a really great thing. It's like you really, you know, like being like you're really alive. Mm-hmm. Like you're really alive. Um, I want to. I could talk to you all day, but we uh, we are out of time with our episode. I want people to like find out about working people. Well, you're uh, very, very, very um, active on social media. I have the Facebooks. I have the Twitters. Uh, I have a blog, uh, which is Molina.com, M-O-L-L-E-N-A. And you're at Molina Williams on Twitter? Uh, just Molina. Just Molina. Just at Molina. Molina. Yes, M-O-L-L-E-N-A. Thankfully, I got to Twitter before the other Molinas. Mm-hmm. That's lucky, yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there were when I first, when the internet was first invented, there were no other Molinas online. Now there's some because people are, people are copying my name. Damn them. Um... But yeah, you can find me on there, and uh, I'm pretty responsive on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, my blog is a little bit fallow because since I'm in this relationship where I'm actually in service and traveling the world and doing all this really cool shit, mm-hmm. oftentimes I don't have time to sit down and go, here's how cool my life is. Do you speak German? Do you speak Austrian no, German? No, I don't speak any fucking German. And uh, I keep thinking I should learn because you know my owner speaks German, but he actually really wants me to speak English all the time. And he's like, don't learn German because then I will get lazy. Oh, so then. <laughs> um, but do you go there? Do you go to Austria? We uh, spent a while in Austria. He was there for work. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, beautiful country, troubling history and troubling political. Yeah, but like when I go to Austria, doesn't it like everybody wants to have sex with me? <laughs> I'm serious. Like that whole country is like, the, don't you find that to be true? Let me tell you, they are, they have the thing of being uniquely repressed in a way where um, when someone who's not Austrian is in front of them, they're like, yes, you're not Austrian. Now I may reveal to you. Yes. <laughs> but it's like so insane. It's like they're like, <gasps> like it's like, and it's the men, it's the women, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But it's because it's like if you're different, yes. like we would, we are, like, you know, we go 
and it, it, I think well Germany is kind of like that too but there's a little bit more diversity in Germany in Austria there's really not that much no 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 I it's, it's funny because in the larger cities like in Vienna you would see all kinds of people and then we were for a bit in Graz which is you know one of the larger cities one of the well mm-hmm. more well-known cities um, and so like I would be across the street from a brown person and we'd be doing that hey hey like, look, hey what's up how you doing <laughs> but it's like we're so popular in Austria and like Germany it's like we're so we're so hot there yeah it's the part of it is that gruesome kind of fetishization thing that happens though yeah there's a lot of that happening yeah. I saw a lot of it, people were like screaming on my Facebook page I would post I would say hey look it's Negro head beer and there God. was a beer can with this outline of this thick-lipped, nappy head. What the hell? You know? And this is a beer that's sold everywhere. Yeah. Or you walk into the pastry store and you're like, yeah, I'd like a nigger head, please. Because oh that's God. a... it's a it, Well, it's called a Moore's head, but it translates. The translation's troublesome. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. And it's like a little marshmallow, oh. foamy thing covered in chocolate with whipped cream on top. Like a more Like a M-O-O-R? Correct. Oh, wow. You know? And they have the nigger... nigger I don't remember what the word is, but it's like a... It's called a Negro's kiss. Mm-hmm. And it's like a little... A little puffy pastry kind of chocolate covered thing mm-hmm. and that's a candy that they sell in, in all the Ooh. stores you know the most popular brand of coffee yeah. the logo is like a little black child's face wearing a fez kind of thing mm. you know uh, at least he, and people were like well you have Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben I'm like yes but Aunt Jemima at least evolved like a Pokemon and so she now has a little perm mm-hmm. and she's wearing her pearls and she doesn't look like she just stepped off the plantation right, anymore. Right, right, right. Whereas you guys have the exact same shit you had 50 years ago. Right, right. And, and, and I mean, not to defend any of that, but Aunt Jemima at least came th- from the culture in America. That's correct. You could have found somebody, you know, however There's they based a, it. But in Austria, they probably didn't. Um, the, I think they most likely didn't. No, no. There were, well, they, it's the colonialization aspect of it, right? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't as though it was in the, it wasn't in their face in the same way. Yeah. Right? So in that case, it's a very different, it, it feels different. And some people are like, well, it's hypocritical. I'm like, it's not hypocritical. If I have to explain it to you, uh, you probably won't ever understand it. But it feels very different to see something that is part of the culture in a way that has changed to some extent with the culture versus something that's just flagrantly not okay. Yeah. You know, and ha- do I go and buy as it's box and Jemima pancake mix in my fucking closet right now? Cause it's my favorite one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, do and, I, and, and there has been a discussion here about it, but over there, correct. Nobody's going, Hey, this is a little fucked up. Over no. here. And when you do, you are seen as someone who is censoring and you are really? too, you know, the, the thing is that if you protest against anything about mm-hmm. race, it veers into this very bizarre thing where it's like, okay, um, you are now censoring someone's freedom of expression and you know who did that? The Nazi. Yeah. Someone decided to do the Jene play of the Negroes mm-hmm. or Das Neher, which translates to the niggers. Um, they decided to do that play, and it, the play was specifically anti-racism, and it's a troubling and odd play. Mm-hmm. But in the play, the actors are specifically supposed to be black actors in whiteface, mm-hmm. playing these incredibly racist, horrible characters who do terrible shit to black people. And this uh, Austrian guy was like, we're going to flip it around. We're going to have white actors in blackface do the play. Oh. And... <laughs> You can no. imagine it was a problem for pretty much every black person yeah. in Austria and Germany. And, um, and my partner, who, is, who has a great deal of notoriety in his field, was outraged and horrified and started talking to people about it and discovered 
for the first time in his life how deeply entrenched that thinking is. Because people started saying to him, well, why would you want to censor art? You're an artist. That mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense. You know, you can't censor art. That's what they did. You know, they made it mm -hmm. so that art was something that was bad and degenerate. You know, the idea of degenerate <laughs> art, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting there going, so they're accusing you of being a Nazi because you think blackface is not okay. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like, well, we have to make comments. We have to make a comment against racism. I'm like, but if the black people are saying, don't do that, yeah. you sons of bitches, this is horrible. <laughs> Understand that you are now not helping the people you, you want to help, right? Right. And you couple that with, as you say, that fetishization, that curiosity about mm -hmm. the other, mm -hmm. that weird, freaky undercurrent yeah. of, I don't know you, I don't understand you, but I want to touch you and I want to absorb you. Right, right. And that's just like a big pile of weird energy it just gets weird yeah it gets super weird yeah but I want thankfully you to go there's over some there cool people teach, though i want you to go over there and do some i stuff actually i think next time I, I go i'm going to make more of an effort to to do so yeah i think that would be really good because when i have um had experiences teaching in england and ireland mm -hmm. and in uh sweden love sweden yeah so cool so cool um and folks in those countries really do get that mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um because they're educated about it yeah that's the thing P people when you call somebody on something like that yeah. and they go oh fuck yeah you're right yeah yeah, yeah. but it sounds like in austria they're no. gonna and they're gonna throw the nazi thing at you yeah which is almost fucked up because we've talked about this before and it happened a few years ago in australia we were which is my country but there was that um some kind of talent show or whatever Mm -hmm. And these guys were actually Pacific Islanders, so they weren't even white guys. They mm -hmm. came out in blackface and did the Jackson 5. Oh, my God. And they they meant it really in a – there wasn't anything malicious about it. No. But Harry, Harry Connick Jr. was on the panel, and he was just immediately like, this is completely fucked up. And he spoke <laughs> up and said, this is wrong, and I don't even want to be here for this. Yeah. And it created a huge debate about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the country at least went, yeah, this is kind of fucked up. Yeah. Uh, you know, they they owned it. But sometimes it takes somebody else to come in and go, this is wrong. It does. This and is I've wrong. Seen but that it sounds happen. like Austria is very defiant. No, there, there, is a, there is a defiance, and there is a lack of, of, of accountability. Uh-huh. You know? And uh, it goes back to after the war when Germany was like stomped on and controlled. And to this day, the educational system is very much about never forget, keep it together, look at what happened. And Austria is like where they all went after the war and they all hung out there and oh, no, no one shit, kind right? of said anything, mm -hmm. you know. But it's interesting because when people do something like that, like hearing about people... Uh, Pacific Islanders putting on blackface going, we want to look like them, so what do we do? Mm -hmm. we, we put on makeup. With Ignorance actually doesn't bother me. It's what happens after the ignorance is, mm -hmm. is pointed out. When someone says, hey, do you, do you know that that's actually offensive? And that has happened to me on several occasions where, you know, I grew up with people calling each other tranny all the time. Mm -hmm. And then people were like, uh, yeah, not cool now. And I was like, right, got it. Mm -hmm. I didn't sit there and going, well, I grew up using the word and I don't see what the problem is. And I have heard mm -hmm. you just stop and you say, I understand. I apologize for my ignorance and drop it. Yeah. And that's it. And yeah. why is that so hard? Yeah, it's not. It's but, not. you know, it is when you're entitled and you're like, I just want to do what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And culturally, that happens all over the place. There's a whole like Japanese cosplay around people doing blackface. Oh, yeah. And someone sh showed me a web, a web page of this, and I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, what? 
someone tell them. <laughs> it's so weird. But they also like, there's also kind of a glorification too. There's also a lot of like LA um, kind of fetishism too. Like yeah. LA like um, kind of, uh, they all want to get like the Mr. Cartoon tattoos, like the um, super like LA kind of, uh, whatever the gang tattoos a little bit more like it's like black and gray stuff they all want to be like LA just I don't know they want to look like they're from Highland Park but they're from Tokyo <laughs> oh, the, they, so they're now getting like the thug tattoos yeah the prison tattoos. but it's like not like the, it's not it, it's like um, I, I want to say like it's 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 like an imitation of another race, racial mm-hmm. group but it's not blackface and it's not and, and necessarily like an imitation of an ethnic group. It's like they, uh, they're using all the style. Yeah. So it's the same kind of like desire to break out of who they are. Yeah. It's, it's not malicious or, or any kind of, it's like an idolization. Yeah. And that's, that's where you get to the more troubling side yeah, of it. Yeah, it's weird. Because you can't just be like, you idiots, you insensitive. It's like, well, oh, um, yeah, you're please, just, they're just doing it wrong. Or please I don't know. understand. Okay, we get it. Thank you. Thank you. Imitation, yeah. flattery, sincerest it's form, nice, and all that. But, but not, it's, it's actually really creepy <laughs> and it's making us uncomfortable. Yeah. So could you tone that down or yeah. just stop? But we're, progress is happening. The Netherlands just issued a decree uh, saying that the Schwarze Piet celebrations for Christmas are oh, offensive yeah. and you can't do that. Oh, okay. Yeah. But a bunch of Dutch people are still like, well, it's a problem. We're like, oh my God. I found out about that actually. I was in uh, the Netherlands over Christmas and I walked oh. into a store and saw a display with hundreds of little pickaninny heads mm-hmm. stacked up with like the with the big red lips and the big bulgy eyes and mm-hmm. the little they had like actually those little um, pom-poms stuck mm-hmm. on the head for hair. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What the fuck so weird, yeah. is this?" Yeah. And they were like, and my friend was like, oh, this is the Schwarze Piet. And I'm sitting there on YouTube, like, looking at the parades of men in blackface, like, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to hit you with a stick. We're Sinterklaas's helpers. Yeah. And we're coming to get you, bad kids. And I was like, oh, dear. I know, it's so weird. It's so weird. But Just, it's changing. Yeah. Slowly. Yeah. Just not in America where it's going the other way. But that's a whole <laughs> other conversation. That is a We're not going to have today because it's a beautiful day in Los Angeles. And we're going to go eat. <laughs> but I want to I want I want to make sure people like go, uh, go and find out you know what you're doing and I want them to come to your classes and so you know you can teach them. Excellent, you should come. So I will come. I need to, I need to, I need to learn some things. I really do. Um, you can reach me on Twitter at Margaret Cho. Where can they reach you? At Jimmy Shelter. You can reach both of us at Monsters of Talk. We are every Monday and um, every Monday on iTunes and SoundCloud, and you can watch us on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Monsters of Talk. Some videos there. And um, yeah, we, uh, I'm so, we've been trying to get this together with you for like a year. Because <laughs> we initially had talked about you with Tristan and we wanted to get you Hi, in. Tristan. So thank you for hooking us up, Tristan. It's been a year. But we finally made this happen. <laughs> thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm going to take you out to dinner now. Yay. Hopefully Kelly Shibari will join us, but we're not sure. She's still driving. Ugh. But what the oh, it's LA. I forgot. I know it's crazy, but we're gonna eat. Thank you, Melina Williams. Thank you, Margaret Cho. And we love our listeners. Thank we'll talk you, to you Jimmy next Shelter. time. Cheers, <laughs> Thank you.